Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. Oh boy! A podcast that loves boxing movies from 1992. I know we're on we're on theme. We are on theme today. Uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast, and uh, yeah, let's uh, step into the ring. Do you want to know what a movie I love is? Digstown is a movie I love. Digstown, baby. Digstown is a movie that is so close and near and dear to me. <laughs> it is. One of those movies that I don't know why I started loving it so much. Or when. Or when. No, no, I know when. (laughs) Okay, okay, good. Yeah, I was 10 or 11 when it came out. And we talked about, you know, Gladiator several episodes ago. Yes, the 90s. The other 1992. uh, The 90s Brian Dennehy. Oh, yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. The good Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dennehy, Loja. Another underground boxing classic. Yeah. Just like this one. And so when I was, you know, 10, 11, it felt like, and I'm, turns out I was not crazy here. Felt like every movie we rented from the video store for a good stretch of time was all sports based. Oh, sure. <laughs> and then when I'm, thr- I'm just kind of making a list in my head of movies from right around that time. And these are all like a league of their own. White Men Can't Jump, Gladiator, Digstown. The Mighty Ducks, like they were all coming out within like months of each other. So I don't know. America was fascinated by sports in 1992. That's definitely a robust genre. The the inspirational sports movie, or just the kids' sports movie, or just the kids' sports movies were huge from 92 to like 95. And uh, yeah, I I grew up on those definitely. I don't Even know for, if I, I don't think I ever saw Digstown as a child, though. I, I, I'm having a fun, uh, you know, mind mess, uh, mind uh, image of you as a 10 year old watching <laughs> Digstown. No, I mean, by the time I hit rental stores, I was probably more 11 or 12. Okay. And that changes it completely. Well, I, I don't know why. For some reason, uh, you know, bad action, bloody movies, those R rated movies I couldn't see. But if a sports movie happened to be mm-hmm. R-rated, it's about sports. Of course I could see it. So, you know, I was seeing White Men Can't Jump when probably 12-year-olds shouldn't be watching White Men Can't Jump. But Digstown, you know, it's a boxing movie. It's There's a some family color movie, to absolutely. it, you know. And uh, But I love it so much. And let me tell you, I was shocked to find out because I did not uh, know this ahead of time, when I looked up some stuff about Digstown after having watched it for the 12th time, this movie was a huge bomb (laughs) when it came out. Yeah. This was a bomb, and I had no idea. (laughs) I think I'm so self-centered that I've just spent the last 30 years assuming everybody else also loves (laughs) Digstown. Well, it's, and it was celebrated upon arrival. It's got a pretty, I mean, it's got a 7.0 on the IMDb, which is actually pretty good. That's very good. And uh, yeah, it's mostly got seemingly positive reviews, but then yeah, it made less than five million even in 1992. That's was not, that not, the tipping? Was that the 1992 tipping point where the movie buying public was like, how many other sports movies? 
yeah. are coming out. Did this was this one just the eleventh one, and people were like, "No." It's it was probably also the eleventh James Woods movie of that year. <laughs> James Woods was fruitful. I was busy in at the this early nineties. <laughs> well, that's what's that's one of those things where I was I was so stunned that this was a bomb. You know, it would be like I'm without looking it up, so maybe maybe it was a bomb. It would be like if I found out Naked Gun had just bombed sure. at the office. You know, or Tremors. Well, mm. Tremors made two million, but it was very popular in home. I have no idea. I actually don't know if those were successful. I just assume they were because I can't imagine coming across somebody in real life who dislikes right one of those. Oh, Tremors. Let me tell you the problems I have with Tremors. <laughs> I've never heard a bad word about Tremors mm-hmm. or the Naked Gun, and. I don't want to put necessarily Digstown in that level, but that's in my brain. I would love it so much that well, I that, can't imagine somebody else dumping on it. Yeah, it's Digstown. a total success for you, watching mm-hmm. it, loving it. Yeah. The family, I assumed, did, did everyone in the family <laughs> like it? Was it a hit? I couldn't remember my mom mom's opinion on Digstown. I think this is one my dad and I probably I'm sure. rented together. I'm sure. Not not one the family got involved right. in. But it wasn't like, yeah, dad hated it. Oh, yeah. I remember. This was one of those movies just like Tremors, where if it was on TV, mm-hmm. well, looks like we're watching the final 45 minutes of Digstown. <laughs> that's, the best, that's the best part. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the fight. But... You know, it was just one of those movies that was on TV often, and the remote just happened to cross it. I couldn't, I can't turn away, at least through a couple commercial breaks. So I got a bunch of shit the other week about Wall Street <laughs> and watching Wall Street as a kid. And now you're going <laughs> to tell me you're just digstowning it as like I a 12-year-old? I don't see how those are at all comparable. <laughs> the high-risk stock trade, uh, that just world like, is, none of these worlds were totally familiar to either of us (laughs) but one is slightly more relatable to through stocks rather than day traders i don't know man i i (laughs) I had a hard time even play i had a hard time relating to anything that was going on at digstown i love i love the movie (laughs) but let me tell you uh and i love con artist movies this is also a con man movie yeah as well as a boxing movie this movie is everything um but I, all of it. I'll be damned if I know who won what at the end and <laughs> what what was gained and what was lost. I, I, I tell you, so man, many I'm much. not sure what happened. <laughs> so what we're going to do is go <laughs> they through. They keep upping the bet the whole time. I can't keep up. <laughs> we're going to go through scene by scene of Digstown <laughs> I so that I to. can talk about what I love about each particular scene. No, you talk about the confusing gambling Here's a gambling thing in a movie, and I've never seen this happen in real life, but I love it, and I never know how anybody's keeping track, and Oliver Platt is... So this movie first, oh. the cast in this flick. Yeah, let's start there. Holy That's a good cow. place to start. The cast is is amazing. Yeah. This, is, this movie is filled with Oscar-winning and Oscar-nominated actors. Totally. You know, but James Woods, uh, Louis Gossett Jr., Bruce Dern... Maybe Ooh. top top five top, top three five. top maybe. three Brewster. Brewster. I mean, this is if this you want to tell somebody why you love illustrate why you love Bruce Dern. Oh yeah, John Guillaume in Digstown. My God, what a character! Everybody has. Whenever I see people having clearly tons of fun making mm-hmm. a movie, in my brain that just means the movie's super successful. So that's why I'm so... How did this make $4 million? Well, nobody has more fun than Oliver Platt in this movie. Oliver Platt is so good here. This, I, this is guy probably my introduction to Oliver Platt. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think I would have. I love Oliver Platt. Uh, especially this era. He was just such a force like this in everything he did in the like, the mid-early 90s. Yeah. Such well, a character. Also, all these actors that they got, it's this, it's a bunch of tall, uh, unique guys. Louis Gossett Jr. is a super tall guy. Bruce Dern's a really tall guy. James Woods is deceptively tall. Mm-hmm. Oliver Platt, you really get a Lanky. sense of his size during uh, his hustling scene mm-hmm. in the pool hall. You get all these big, super expressive Kind of odd-looking actors. <laughs> this movie has so many close-ups on these guys who are all very famous and very accomplished. Mm-hmm. And you kind of realize how weird they all look. <laughs> James Woods is a super weird-looking guy. Uh, Bruce Stern kind of looks like this weird cartoon like weasel. I was going to say cartoon. He looks like a cartoon character. And no more cartoony. Movie. And they make sure to give him this great profile shot all the time with his kind of hair going up like he's got this... Bruce Dern has Beautiful an all wave Bruce Dern has going. an all time great uh, hairline in movie history. Bruce Dern got the exact level of baldness he was gonna get at like age thirty four, and then all <laughs> it was was just there. and then he so he has it like halfway back and it's always fluffy mm-hmm. and kind of longer and you can either slick it down or you can fluff it up and they always go fluffy. Yeah. And he's got this great hairline and it's this great shock of white hair and he always in this one. Uh, is is special because we get mustache Dern. Absolutely, I was gonna say you compliment that with the mustache they give him. Yeah, you're all set. Mustache Dern with those chompers, mm-hmm. the teeth on Dern, the teeth acting of Bruce Dern right. in this movie. But so right there, we've named four guys Your that top four that, that I'd often any, almost any of those guys. You know, James Woods. At one point, James Woods, much as he's gone off the rails now. Right. E- you know, easily at one point, my favorite actor. Loved this guy, and I spent a while just going through his career just because I love his specific thing. I loved him. Uh, I think we maybe a little bit talked about this with the Cat's Eye episode, but I loved him growing up seeing him in The Simpsons or seeing him <laughs> uh, do the voice of the uh, Hades character in the Hercules oh, sure. movie, but then also being able to see him in Casino and to see him oh. in... Lester and Casino is, um, is maybe my favorite James Woods, but then yeah, as I grow older and see you know Videodrome and that stuff, his his segment in Cat's Eye is so great. Good stuff. He is such a king in that, and I just love his specific thing. It's when a actor, you know, it's just as much Jack Nicholson when people say, "Oh, he's just mm-hmm. doing Nicholson" or "He's just doing Pacino." There's a specific James Woods <laughs> energy. Well, this role is made for that energy. Yes. Uh, this is your classic. Fast talking, smart aleck, con man character that James Woods is his, his made kind for. of sleazy snake oil salesman. Uh, Gabriel Kane, who Gabriel we Kane. meet in prison when this movie starts. Oh yeah, always a good thing when when uh, your movie opens with a prison boxing. Oh wall. yeah, then you know it's good. Yeah, I was into this thing from the get go. That's why you know Runaway Train. Whenever anybody's watching that, starting with it's like yeah, prison yeah, fighting. Exactly, this is gonna be good. But this is where the first of my questions comes into play. Digstown brings up a lot of questions. So James Woods is seen uh, helping another prisoner escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty he, casually. He's done Pretty, this before. Yeah, this it's is clear. a, a he knows system. what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, the guy's got to have a bunch of cash, and he tapes the cash to him and blindfolds him and sends him on his way sends to him meet on someone to the else. Sewer, yeah. Guess what, guys? You never hear from that guy again. <laughs> yeah. You never hear. Uh, you, you, the only reason I think. That James Woods is even breaking people out of jail is so that there's a reason for the warden to be mad at him in the next scene. Because otherwise... I'm, I'm assuming he's he's earning some cash. 
I guess this guy's always finding ways he's to make money. money. I think you they, know? yeah, they probably they, say he made money with you know with the escapes. I think they make a joke about like you're yeah. the only guy I know that can make fifty grand in prison. But you that's know? a fun he's, detail. He's betting on the fights. Realistically, we don't need to see most of this prison sequence. <laughs> Something tells me Michael Ritchie is like, I'm gonna film a kick-ass prison fight sequence. You know, like it's cool to film in a prison, right? Michael Ritchie, we we've not mentioned. The this director, guy is, tell me about him. Got a great career, but he's not a director who's cool to like. Mm. For a guy who did so much variety of stuff, you don't see his name dropped as, oh, my favorite director is Michael Ritchie. You know, he did so many different, he's done a lot of sports movies, uh, including some pretty iconic things like Bad News Bears. Mm. And uh, a great Burt Reynolds movie, Semi-Tough. The legendary... Brendan Fraser, Albert Brooks team up, The Scout. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, you know, big money making stuff like The Golden Child or Fletch. I see the Fletch movies here. Yeah. I mean, really cool, diverse career that spanned oh, three the, decades. He did the original uh, Bad News Bears. Yeah, not, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was the original Bad News That's Bears. Cool. And that movie Smile that was filmed in Santa Rosa. Oh, funny. Starring Bruce Dern. Uh, oh, Michael yeah. Ritchie has a killer career that spanned four or five decades, tons of big TV work too, but he is not a guy that I see referenced as an important American director. You know, but these movies owned mm. network TV <laughs> Saturday afternoons. Right. You know, that's until I saw it a few years ago in the theater, The Golden Child, the only way I had seen it was just on Fox on a Saturday at 4 p.m., I, that's definitely one I saw on TV. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And Michael Ritchie had probably five or six movies that just probably raked in TV rights bucks for decades. So I think he So he knows what he's doing. He knows I, what I, he's I, doing. I'm I will, not questioning Ritchie at all. I'm not gonna que- my my questions are just more like why are things not 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 why is a, a thing directed <laughs> a certain way? Because I love the direction. This thing gave you your your forty-five degree angles. It gave you your like close-ups in the punching. So in the in the prison, good sequence, fight stuff. I think he just had a few different camera angles that he wanted to use. Up. Oh, absolutely. And so they're like, yeah, "Look, we can loosely. We'll throw a few of these guys in prison. We'll blah blah blah." Because there's this one great shot down a length of prison row mm. when it's showing this little path that James Woods is taking this character that we never hear from <laughs> exactly. ever again. Were you just expecting to see this guy again? This seems like the relationship they were building with them is this guy's going to come back later on and help him out with something. He seemed like the perfect, like, yeah, like kind of wormy sidekick yeah. for James Woods. But nope. no, he's on his own he's path. He's his own guy. Yeah. It's such, it leads to so many great moments. And yeah, the, the scene with the warden saying, there have been six prison breaks in my time here. Five of them since you showed up. Yeah. And it's just Woods going, well, I don't know. Oh, yeah. He has the great, like, don't take it personal kind of line. Um, that that warden is the guy who's attached to Quato in Total Recall. No. <laughs> He's the... <laughs> yeah. That's that's the Quato twin brother. See, this movie, every guy in this movie and then is there's a guy. Uh, and then early on, one of the uh, prison guards is that guy who's got the kind of Tourette's thing going in uh, Wild at Heart. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know that guy, the big, tall, another yeah. tall, lanky guy? Yeah. Wow. See, every guy. All these movie, kind of guys show up. Yeah. But it great. also, the prison does give us the most important part of these prison scenes. We get some of our finest screen action of Randall Tex Cobb. Yeah. 
He's always a guy who's like 12th or 13th in the credits. Once I saw his name pop up like four or five guys in, like, ooh, we get right. actual credited well, text cop. He actually gets to say dialogue in this movie, <laughs> yeah, which is very rare the, for him. Not just the growling, grunting, right. heavy. He's best known, in my mind, as the guy from the end of Raising, Raising Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, of yeah. him as... That shot of him, him riding the chopper. As soon as I was going to say, as soon as that. I was going to say, raising Arizona, I started to doubt myself. I'm like, no, it's clearly <laughs> it's that. It's clearly that yeah, guy. Yeah. He is iconic as that guy mm-hmm. in raising Arizona, but in Digstown, he gets actual acting scenes. He's a sympathetic as character, this too. dumb punk, punch drunk boxer who Woods is kind of using as his, uh, and uh, with an improbably attractive sister. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because then Heather Graham. 1992 era Heather Graham. I used to be... Heather Graham kind of uh, lived in the same brain area as me that Bill Paxton used to reside, Hmm. where I used to kind of be annoyed by Bill Paxton (laughs) until I realized what an idiot I was. And and it's not a coincidence that Bill Paxton just kept showing up in movies that I loved. I could see that. And then I learned to just love and openly cherish Bill Paxton. And Heather Graham used to kind of, you know, she gets a critical knock because she's kind of the same person in a lot of her <laughs> movies, the same role. But then you look at the cool stuff that she's been in, mm-hmm. all the way back to, you know, Drugstore Cowboy or even, you know, kid stuff like License to Drive. Well, this probably would have been about the same time that she's filming Twin Peaks. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, right there, it's like, yep. So I am. So I used to just be kind of like, oh, you know, Heather Graham, nice to look at. But then it's like, no. Heather Graham's great. She's cool. And she's really good in this. And we get, it's like all good con movies, we just get involved in this overly complicated plot. Oh my gosh. That doesn't actually come off complicated because it's a movie like The Sting, you don't have to just sit there and say, okay, so this guy's working with this guy. You just get the beautiful thing about these movies is you just get to kind of sit and enjoy right. them and. Anybody going in trying to figure out the the tricks, you just, just have going to, into this wrong. Yeah, you just have to sit back and let it unfold. Yeah, that's what you got to do with these con movies because you're never going to know the full story until the end. You're not going to get the full reveal. And uh, yeah, if you're sitting there going like, "Why is Oliver Platt getting pissed drunk at this bar <laughs> and antagonizing all these Digstown locals?" There's you just got to let it happen, man. There's so many great parts of Platt. Just hoodwinking a bunch of locals, starting from Platt, just cruising into trou- town in the most un. What's that truck? <laughs> what is what this is that truck? truck? This uh, again, guys. Ev- if for no other reason, <laughs> this- you gotta see this truck that Oliver Platt rolls up in. Insane! It's, it's insane to me how much of a weird focal point Oliver Platt's truck is to the plot of this movie. It's crazy. It reminded me a lot of like if Pee Wee Herman had a truck <laughs> instead of a bike. It is such a weird <laughs> giant rig. There's we get introduced to two specific cars in this movie <laughs> with more of like a focus than we get most characters in this movie. The Corvette that shows up <laughs> under the twinkling prom night like uh yeah, the, disco ball lights of the, of the Digstown Arena. Unbelievable. 
these cars are so i i think they're gorgeous i think michael ritchie just wanted like a 59 corvette convertible and he's like of course the plot needs a 59 red corvette convertible in cherry condition exactly haven't you seen this we're gonna have to write a couple extra scenes about this corvette but oliver platt getting pissed drunk egging on 50 people in a bar which comes right after a scene where james woods gets to explain the difference between a con man and a hustler right how a hustler has to flee town as quick as he can but a con man you know cut to oliver platt just like coming in swinging everything around and just openly mocking the yokels of digstown but it's it's also done in that way where the con man movies do it where everyone immediately buys into plays into does exactly their part as the mark oh yeah so platt all platt is doing really is he shows up at this place he's got a friend who introduces him to some locals and they insist that he played cards with them. Yeah. And he goes like, no, fellas, I'm going to take your money. I can, I'm, <laughs> I'm good at cards. Let's not do this. And they're like, sit your ass down. Takes all of their money. Then somehow they get into pool. I don't even, all of a sudden they're, they're shooting billiards. Mm-hmm. And he's just drinking pitchers of beer. And he's like, I told you. I told you guys I, I was going to take your money. I didn't want to do this. Yeah. It's so great. I didn't con you guys. I told you who I was. One and thing. you're like, yeah, why are these guys keep betting with this guy who is just assassinating them all night? He comes in wearing his, like, white suit, just screaming con man. I, the, right, the fast talking, he's, like, sweating. Everything. Like, Dude, Oliver oh, Platt just always sweating. Can we talk about the wetness <laughs> during this poker scene? This movie was this movie was set in the South, but not filmed in the South. Michael Ritchie is a director who understands how damp everybody needs to be at totally. all times. This is the wettest movie I've seen since White Lightning. <laughs> You're not wrong. And when we get to Louis Gossett Jr. training, <laughs> the guy is just people are. There had to be on set dampeners. Yeah, like oh, they, they, multiple. I think they were just hitting him with a hose. This, I mean, it is hose level water. I understand how wet people got to be during a, a intense five round boxing fight. Yeah. Every face they cut to during this Oliver Platt ripping off poker yokels, these are the wettest folks you've seen. They, and Oliver he's, Platt he's is wetter just, than all of them. He is drenched. He is he wet. Literally looks like he came out of the shower. Like the hair is <laughs> soaked hair is, through. He's got oh my he's, god. His clothes are soaked through, and he's just drinking so much beer. One nothing of my favorite gets, like drunk performances. <laughs> nothing gets me more into a southern movie than seeing just how damp people are. Yeah. That the stickiness in White Lightning when Ned Beatty just looks uncomfortably pig sweating the mm. whole movie. Bo Hopkins is dripping sweat off his <laughs> nose. Burt Reynolds getting sweat caught in his stash. Like, yeah, that's a wet southern movie. It's real. Digstown, wettest movie of all time. It's pretty My wet. My gosh. But yeah, every single con. I love a movie where every scene in my head I'm going. Are they working a con right now? Exactly. I bet somebody's Is this part getting, of the con. I bet somebody's getting con right Are now. You conning us They're right con. now. Well, at the same time that Platt is hustling dudes, you know, Jimmy Woods over there is at the <laughs> boxing ring, uh, egging on Bruce Dern. They meet and have a friendly little. James Woods in this movie knows exactly how to walk away from a person and entice them into getting what he wants. He does this like five times where he's just like, hey, all right, I got to go. You know, we'll I'll talk to you later. And as he's hitting the door or five feet away, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. Such what a... do you say to two thousand dollars? <laughs> and then he turns around and is like, Yeah, I could do that all day, blah blah blah. He, like you said, every every turning point of the movie comes when James Woods is about to walk out a door <laughs> and is like in his cream suit with garish purple tie and yeah. shirt and then Oh well, if you did say a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> just I could not keep track of the the money stacked on top of money oh, by the end of this flick. Just keeps building stopped, upon itself. I stopped trying to keep track but because not only does all, so there's there's a boxing bet going on. There's Oliver Platt across the street. Eventually, of course, these two are working together, so they got to team up. Mm-hmm. How was the boxing the g- gonna be the con the whole time or did they just start talking about that boxer and he was no no i'm pretty sure i mean they were all like how did he know it's to all a work Charlie. those guys to start talking about <laughs> the hometown boxer dude what you need to know about Digstown, Amazing. this is a town oh Digstown, obsessed baby. with boxing <laughs> you don't have to do much to, you don't need to go around twisting the arms of the Digstown residents to get these people talking about boxing. It's literally named after the boxer, Charles Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. Who's still alive in town. Who's still alive. And and, and plays the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2. Oh, man. He's Love that guy. Vigo in a wheelchair. <laughs> of your favorite Vigo wheelchair performances, do you like Vigo Mortensen in Carlito's Way? Or Vigo from Ghostbusters in Dickstown. If you're looking for a minimalist performance, this is the one. <laughs> Dude. This guy doesn't do shit. But <laughs> everyone loves him. The town is named Digstown. Digstown for his character of Charles Makem Diggs with a big uh, Oh my god. I love it. I love every huge unquestioned leap this movie takes. Mm-hmm. And it's full of them. One thing I noticed that I loved, this is a movie I've probably seen a dozen times. You and I watched it together a we decade have. ago on late. We watched this in Portland, right? Yes, this is in my laserdisc collection. You, you presented me with your wall of laserdiscs. I'm like, what are you in the mood for tonight? <laughs> and out of hundreds of laserdiscs, I, I went Digstown first. Need to see no it on regrets. the disc. Yeah. But <laughs> so I see this movie a lot. For some reason, I never noticed in the opening credits. Based upon the novel. Yes. It's like, oh, we got a based upon a novel. I had no idea there was a a novelization. The Digstown the, Ringers, yeah. it was called. Books, I looked it up. It's long out of print. I need the Digstown Ringers in my life, though. Yeah. But, yeah, I think everything's a con. Just the way Oliver Platt drunkenly stumbles into the portrait of Charles. Oh, this, this hump. Oh, this guy. Yeah. This ba- the town bar has this beautiful oil canvas portrait of Charles Miggs. Also, love how fast and loose they play with the era of <laughs> boxing. Yeah. In this picture, Charles Megan Diggs looks like he's like rode in on a unicycle. Looks like it's from the twenties. Yeah, he's like putting the and, dukes up like but, but he's like a sixty year old man in the nineties. <laughs> so he's not that old. So it's actually from the seventies, but the poster is literally like a vaudeville like circus <laughs> yeah. freak show. Featuring strong man, Charles Megan Diggs. Yeah, exactly. And they every boxer in this movie, they're very specific with the dates that these people operated under, which just throws a whole bunch more questions yes. out of like Why bother? Yeah. They, they, oh my they god. They spend so many details on saying like, oh well in sixty four this guy took on it's like, wait a minute, in sixty four? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> well he's been doing boxing and, and yeah, how all so 
every boxer of this movie has the so many questions has the biggest gaps in their in their careers huge decades that were unaccounted for but the way platt suckers in an entire town is so beautiful yeah the whole thing was the gig that's the thing i love these con man movies because they're all so so complicated and all they require is for about 400 different things to go perfectly (laughs) Exactly. exactly and it's always right at the start I already don't get, like, the money is also so fast and loose because for a while we're supposed to believe, like, you're going to put up $1,000 of your own money. And it's like, in my, I'm not a better, but $1,000 for somebody that gambles frequently on a sure thing, like $1,000 is something that you can probably swing. And right out of the gate, it's treated as a, oh, you're going to double that? <laughs> Without, like, it looked like Oliver Platt was cleaning these people out of hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars in this poker game. But five minutes later, they're talking about $100,000 to, ramp to up your the... 10000 and this and that. And uh, is, is boxing a bunch of dudes in a single day a thing? Because <laughs> the one, like... Thing that they talk about Diggs, he could beat five men in a day. Yeah. yeah well, I know, uh, you know, Honey uh, Roy Palmer. Honey Roy Palmer. He can. He'll. He can beat ten of you. Any. Any ten. Any day. All of a sudden, that's the bet. Is that <laughs> yeah. a thing? Suddenly, the whole town is like, we got a ten in a dayer. Bruce like, Dern shows up from across the street and is like, I'll take that bet. And all of a sudden, it is on. It's set. He treats this bet. It is like law. It is, like you said. Oh, you're talking about a classic ten and twenty-four. I'll take I'll take that angle. Yeah, he shows up in the middle of this whole spiel, and we we talk about uh, briefly the the Woods Dern interaction. What a pair on screen! <laughs> I just want two hours of James chat. Woods. Yeah, just nitpicking with Bruce Dern. Just their characters in this movie, two just assholes. Two unpleasant dudes. Just pushing each other's That I buttons. love. Yeah. <laughs> just well, getting under each other's skin constantly. After like a brief interaction at the boxing ring, and then Woods is at the bar to back Oliver Platt, trying to make the town not realize that these two guys are in cahoots, trying to make it look like, well, I'll take that bet. Yeah. And then he's going to back him. And all of a sudden, these guys have beef that w- should have gone back 30 years. Like, yeah, this is it a- is do or die. <laughs> I have no other mission in life but to destroy this stranger. James Woods wanted I've to take met. Bruce Dern for every damn cent he owned within like four minutes of meeting him. And But Dern, at the same way, was like, I want to bury this dude who just rolled into town and I have no idea who he is. Putting myself in either of their shoes, I imagine if you encounter another personality as specifically smugly strong as yours, you immediately get this, like, fight-or-flight thing with Mm. this guy. So Woods meets a toothier, mustachier version of him, and he's like, fucking hate this guy. (laughs) Exactly. And Bruce Dern is immediately the same way. I love all of their uh, weird, quick insults to each other. When when Woods is sitting in Bruce Dern's seat, how do you... There's, like... There's 200 plus seats in the Digstown Arena. Woods Woods somehow knows exactly Bruce. That was that was not Bruce Dern's seat. They just wanted to hassle him. <laughs> they were just hassling. They were just hassling him, him out of town. He could have been in any seat. They I were love hassle him. How much that small town talk uh, Oliver Platt and James Woods immediately bring onto the people of Digstown. 
they immediately just run under this town. You don't think our uh, boxers here in Digstown are any good? Well, uh, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you about this chump. Yeah. <laughs> I just It just blows my mind that that, that was the plan. We're going to get Oliver <laughs> Platt drunk. He's going to hustle the whole bar, start insulting the boxer, and suggest our own boxer yeah. to fight 10 of their dudes. It, was that? Was it always? I just can't wrap my head around yeah. that being a thing where guys were like, I'll box 10 guys in a day. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't so know the I'm southern a- underground boxing <laughs> traditions that i used to i am a big fan of movies that create a mythos around something (laughs) that probably doesn't actually exist but but treats it like it's a respected thing yeah like the way roadhouse treats uh bouncer rankings uh absolutely like they have a rank like that bouncers are known you know he's number two in the country yeah like how who is tabulating these is there like a war type a algorithm to categorize bouncers and in this movie just when they go over some of this boxing history <laughs> which is so unnecessarily detailed but i love it when bruce dern is going on his soliloquy about off the record cash fighting yes you don't know his cash fighting records like oh we're getting like cash fight mythology like we're getting cash fight underground boxing experts oh yeah Love this. I also love the extended negotiation scenes between them just to set up the rules of this 10-man fight. I love the things this movie wastes time on. Yeah. (laughs) I love the details that just get explained quickly. Like you said, this fighting 10 men in a 24-hour period... That deal, just taking it like that's like that's that's a a normal thing. thing. Yeah, we set that up and it is established as a bet in less time. Then they establish that a day should be defined by 24 <laughs> hours. Exactly. Exactly. The contract negotiation for this fight is Woods like, all right, a day by de- by definition is 24 hours. And Brewster is, just has problems with that. But he took on this fight so quick. Like, I'll put up 100 grand of my money for this. But then they're negotiating like any man has to be a resident of the county. All right. <laughs> but they have to prove that they're a resident of the county. We're... People are showing paper, like paperwork, yeah, to prove that they live in this town. And yet, the whole scene of James Woods trying to uh, convince Louis Gossett Jr. to join him in this con, yeah, he doesn't even suggest what they're doing. He never even tells Louis Gossett Jr. what they're doing. Yeah, and he's like, "Pick me up at eight. Louis Gossett Jr. is almost fifty years old. In this this movie. guy, he was, he looked much older than I remembered. Well, in it's, this movie, it's the horseshoe. Once he, yeah, he looks a lot younger good. once he once he goes full shave. Horseshoe will age any yeah. any man. We're introduced to him like again, sweating profusely. Yeah. In a boxing ring teaching kids in Texas. And oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's working he's, at the Y as like a He's so, got the bad gym clothes and he's got the bad hair. We so, get yeah, we get it revealed that help. Bruce Dern was the manager of Megan Diggs and uh James Woods was the old manager of Honey Roy Palmer, mm-hmm. Louis Gossett Jr.'s character. And uh, they were also working schemes. Everybody's working schemes. And Gossett and Woods had a fallen out over some money. Woods threw in a towel. Didn't want to see his friend getting beat. That catches us up. Right. We, we go through that history in like a minute. Then we need to get to some contract negotiations. <laughs> Louis Gossett Jr. was so on the outs with James Woods. They, hadn't, they seemed like they hadn't seen each other in 
10 years? He seemed like he years? wanted nothing to do with him when he shows up. And he, Woods he just wanted his money. Just charms his way into getting this old man to face 10 young bucks <laughs> in a 24 hour period with without barely going over any details. So that's why I love that we get into some I, of this. I don't think he ever says anything to him about it. <laughs> Yeah, Gossip Jr. doesn't ask any questions I don't about think, what he's getting into. I don't think he ever tells him what it is. Like, they go to his house and have dinner, and it's obvious that Gossip Jr. could use a little more money, but mm-hmm, Woods mm-hmm. never brings it up. And then suddenly he's there at his door at 3 a.m., like, pick me up at 8. Yeah. I'm in, you son of a bitch. <laughs> just that. And I'm just like, I wonder at what point did he actually tell him what was going on? He's like, shit. This, <laughs> 10? Really? Why, yeah. why did you say 10? I know. It's such a far-fetched scheme. This whole movie is so far-fetched in glorious ways. And it's it's this beautiful, like, far-fetched scheme to win what I think, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a ton of money. All these things that have to go perfectly right that also involve several murders and 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 fleecing hundreds of people you need so many of these things to go right and the takeaway is like a million five now a million five is a lot more money than i have absolutely but this feels like i'm sure there's way easier ways to come away with a million five than all of the enemies they're setting up for themselves well and woods had to put up a bunch of money for the, you know, to the uh, Florida. Oh yeah, uh, to, the flo- to the guy, right? That guy, guy with the stakes, the the balding guy <laughs> with the long hair, yeah. the ponytail. Uh, but yeah, we get Miami this whole like guy. Florida bookie gang aspect of this movie too. That's why throw that in. When there. I talk about this movie wasting time so I'm just on like, the how best much money things, you got to give to that guy. What I love, they introduce so many unnecessary characters. <laughs> and the young guy hates him and wants to kill him. That doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> they, so there's so bizarre. many great, stupid, unnecessary characters. We don't need any of this guy from Florida. They invent a reason ju- they, just to introduce a character, just to be good for the money. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll we'll put we'll invent this neutral third party that'll hold on to our stakes. Like, why? <laughs> why do you need to get that specific? And they have these scenes where they're like, "Go get my safety deposit box." The guys are like reading notes and <laughs> unbelievable. Like, they really wanted to make the audience aware. These guys got it. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about real money here. This is great. And spoiler alert: at the end, you never see any money exchanging. No, I don't know how anybody actually came into possession of any of their money or property i don't know how any of this works yeah uh the movie doesn't try to explain and i'm totally cool with that and i love the things it overly explains and i love how we find out that bruce stern this is a great movie trope and also like ben gazzara and roadhouse Mm. the guy in the white suit that just owns the town yes He, he owns every part of the town everybody uh you know tried to get rich and this guy was the guy that cleaned up on it and uh we find out bruce stern rigged Make, uh, Megan Diggs' last fight. Mm-hmm. Whole town put money on him because he was a huge favorite. This guy with the p- the power to knock out five men in a day. Huh. Five men in one single day. And As was the custom and of so the time. And so Bruce Dern uh, monorailed him, you know, and put every single thing he owned on the long shot and then, of course, fixed the fight. Gave Macon Diggs brain damage. <laughs> Yeah, by straight putting, up poisoned uh, him. Poisoning his uh, nasal spray. Whew. And so Bruce Stern owns the whole town. I love a slimy dude owning a whole town. Sure. Great, 
great kind of character. Like Bruce, uh, uh, Burt Reynolds and Malone going against the guy owning the town. Dern is the guy that definitely is the, like, carries a big, you know, carries a small stick, but he's, he's the uh, powerful guy in town. Nobody messes with him. You got the sheriff on his side. You got all these city planners, bankers, seemingly, mm-hmm. these toadies. He's got all these toadies. Great group of toadies. I didn't know a single one of his toadies, and I loved them all. Yeah, dweebs in their glasses. The guy that works at the local bank. Guy that you know, the local sheriff. Like, right. Great set of. Toadies. There's a lot of people that you meet that you don't ever get to know anything really about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big. There's ten guys that you get to meet all these other fighters, <laughs> and you're just like, what is life like for Tank? The rest I, of his yeah, life, I wonder. We go through. The, also, I love these <laughs> these stupid things that the movie invents. To explain away things that you'd probably be better off just not explaining. That's what, again, the stupidest details. I love this detail. I never, there's so many new stupid things that are so great to notice about this movie for the first time. When Oliver Platt's hung over after his performance, Mm -hmm. hustling Mm -hmm. the whole town in his first night in. uh, And James Woods drops something about like, Look, I gave you the pills so you wouldn't get drunk, but you still have to deal with the hangover. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, Brewster? He was faking it. He, uh, Platt drank like four pitchers of beer. Like That guy should be in an ICU. <laughs> I don't care what pills, what magic beans that James Woods has. And I also want to point out that <laughs> for two guys who they established don't know each other, and Woods goes, yeah, I'll take this guy's bet sight unseen. Nobody in the town at any point questions that Woods and Platt might have known each other right. before this. Because every second after this, they are just hanging out exclusively. <laughs> oh, they're partners. They are at this partners point. at yeah. this point, seen together constantly, and not one person in town's going like, I think these guys are working together yeah. to hoodwink us. The guy these that guys just hustled are... everybody for their cars and shit. You think him and the other and fast Woods, talking Woods, guy? Uh, Woods comes in going, I don't know this man. I've never heard of the boxer of which he speaks, but I'm putting everything I own behind him. Yeah. This guy that I don't know, but now I have to become fast friends with, so you guys shouldn't question it. I just, yeah, I think that's why I have so many weird, like, questions of this movie because i just don't think bruce dern would waste his time doing this like this this is a project that takes all week for them to set up they Mm -hmm. have to go over all these rules he's got to go find these 10 guys and spend all day doing this i just like i don't think he would like just to just to kind of squash this james woods character i don't know man there again it's the kind of person that just doesn't like somebody coming in to the town that they own Mm mm-hmm and thinking like they can they can own this place a bit like no i tricked people into selling me this town fair and square right also never i'm always so baffled by brewster has no he has the cops on his side but it, other movies like this the guy in charge of the town also has you know gunmen and heavies mm-hmm. and stuff. Brewster just seems like a guy that can walk around town and having stolen every townsperson's property and everybody just kind of went Oh, well, nevertheless. <laughs> you know? He won like, fair and square, like he obviously. Gets, he doesn't get hassled at all. People yeah. are just, he's like local local cool guy, Bruce Dirt. It's so good. It's so unbelievable. It's so great. So immediately, Honey Roy Palmer, who, according to Bruce Dern, last boxed officially in 1972. Yes, quite a while ago. Now, this doesn't cover his lucrative cash fighting career, of which the numbers don't lie. Okay. 
but they don't have the numbers. <laughs> they don't tell us the numbers. So numbers the, don't lie. The whole point of that scene of of Bruce Dern talking about Honey Roy Palmer is that this is the official book with the record of the fights, but this book does not have the cash fights. Those numbers don't lie. Yeah. Where are those numbers? <laughs> Did anybody have those? <laughs> Nobody numbers? had those numbers. That's why I love that establishes Bruce Dern as a guy who doesn't have to work because he owns a whole town, and. Uh, in his free time, I assume he just uh, is a diehard aficionado of the underground cash fighting circuit. Oh, yeah. I'm, and he knew all true. about Honey Roy Palmer. He doesn't have any of this presented. It's up here. <laughs> it's up here. And I love these little peeks at Bruce Dern's. Like, it's like his weird hobby. Mm, it's like his I underground so. fight, fight club stuff is just his kind of thing. He's rich. He can afford weird niche interests. And this is his thing that he just gets really into. Some people do the big model train sets. Right. And can tell you all about, oh, well, actually, that engine's based off of a 1918. No, he's the guy that's like, well, what that book doesn't tell you about, Honey Roy Palmer, is the following. Yeah. I love. Which I know. Yeah. But how <laughs> Which... does James Woods know that he, that this is Bruce Dern's thing? I know. Like he he clearly fight. targeted this guy knowing he had some money, but the movie makes it clear James Woods didn't know how much he really had. Yeah. So he, he does, James Woods doesn't find out how James So he Woods thought go, he was going to get this guy for like 100,000, maybe 50,000. Maybe 50. And he does all this research no, into he goes boxing. Into this, James Woods goes into this trying to win Ten thousand dollars. No fucking sense. <laughs> James, Woods, what's the play? Yeah, James Woods' big con is for like ten grand with him putting up a hundred grand. I don't understand how that works out. <laughs> he had to then a trust that Bruce Dern was going to up the bet several times over yeah. to finally get to this one point five million dollar mark that they but, eventually but Woods doesn't find that to. out until he gets Heather Graham to go find out just how much of Digstown Bruce Dern owns. But yeah. Man. We get from all these different point A to B to C sometimes very quickly. We immediately go in Lewis Gossett Jr. takes about as much convincing to fight ten men in his early fifties as you took to come record a podcast with me today. <laughs> yeah. It's about the same level of like, okay, well, 2.30, 3 o'clock? Sure. All right. Yeah, I can be there. They do at least give him the, the training montage. He, he has some, to get back into shape. We he, get some good montage. He gets his Rocky on. He's got the full sweatsuit going, running in the fields. I really... Boxing in the old barn. <laughs> I loved all those old barn The old barn training. boxing with all with all the boxing posters from like the 40s. Yeah, more... <laughs> the 40, Cleveland 50. kid. Yeah. You know? You know, when uh, Charles Diggs, the clearly not any older yeah. than 70 years old guy, was, was boxing. <laughs> Charles Diggs, when they finally show, it's like, he's like a 50-year-old man, kind of given... I'd, I mean, he looked great. Well, he looked good. He didn't look like a guy I would want to sit on like a bus next to. No. <laughs> the, <laughs> I don't know the makeup they're going for with when we finally see Diggs, because it's partly like, well, let's... They kind of Irish Irishman him. Mm. They're like, well, let's... Old him up a bit, and also maybe make him kind of a zombie. Yeah, exactly. They gave him some kind of horror movie makeup, like weird grayish skin, and like I think, I think that might just be that guy. That guy is such. That a guy's weirdo. a. I, I think that guy's kind of a weird guy. He used to be a pro wrestler, Von know? Hunger or something. Yeah, this, he used to be a, 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 a carny pro wrestler with his dad. Like uh, him and his dad, Wilhelm von Holmberg. Holmberg. Who again? I'd say I think everybody. 
would automatically recognize him as Vigo. God, that portrait from Ghostbusters mm-hmm. too. This guy Diggs is creepier than Vigo. Totally. What a weirdo. What a creep who just took 12 rounds of a of brain damage. Uh this really gets into the CTE aspect of boxing. You know though, he he does show up for the fights. Him and the rest of the town at 12:01 a.m. I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about our fights yet. I know we, uh, we're, we're, we're going three hours on Digstown, so we got to go through each and every scene. No, I love uh, the, the Gossett training montage. Gossett's one of those guys who I don't actually – is he a tough guy in real life? Because he ran on a, tough to uh, be. he went on a good movie run of being portrayed as very cool, tough guys. You know, uh, you ever seen Officer and a Gentleman? Where he, it's, which he won his, uh, his yeah, Oscar that's the for. one he won for, sure. You know, as as the big tough drill sergeant, and this is ten years, and uh, I also love that he still got a belly. You know, he didn't go on any crazy steroids uh, diet. He just looks exactly how Lewis Gossett Jr. Yeah, looks. This is back when you could just look like a normal person. Uh huh. Yeah, look like a dude, kind of undefined muscular <laughs> physique. But the training with him was convincing. I, I like it. I thought his acting got better the more he fought, which was cool, especially mm. for the, like, I thought his acting really started peaking during the uh, the big, long 10-man fight. Absolutely. Uh, him and James Woods are not a duo before Digstown that I would have guessed would work, and I really liked them in this. But then this time, I couldn't help but think of him with other combos of guys. Picture <laughs> would would Dennehy work in any way in this movie? Either Dennehy in the Dern role, or I want to just see Dennehy in the ring now. After well, the yeah. after the the boss battle fight of him in Gladiator, I want to see Dennehy go up against ten guys. I'd love to see Dennehy do the Oliver Platt role <laughs> and just do do the drunk hustler role. But how good me? would Dennehy be in the Woods role? This is a Dennehy <laughs> movie if I ever see. How good would Dennehy be? Dennehy in the and Tex Woods. Cobb Dennehy role? and Woods were in a movie once. Oh yeah, bestseller. Bestseller, that's right. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mess of a movie, but really fun. Totally ridiculous, and they're great in this. But all all the interaction with everybody in here, an important thing about these movies, uh, where one man owns an entire town and somebody else tries to uh, give the people the, their land back. Right. The main character usually has to be in a relationship with a woman at least half his age from the town. <laughs> this is one of the rules of those movies. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, attraction between him and Heather Graham was probably the least convincing. I'm really part happy of this that movie. we didn't get that relationship taken too far cuz sometimes yeah. that really really uh, is an awkward side trap of some of these movies, but Woods is on his most uh, game of trying to to flirt with Heather Graham, who has already appeared very very sexy, wearing her <laughs> Southern gal Daisy Dukes. Yeah, and she's she's going for that Southern belle kind of. And you know, got that she's, big. She's hair probably from like twenty two, twenty three, which is usually a little bit old for James Woods. <laughs> but with Graham, you make an exception. Sure. But the most he hits on her, like the. the he keeps it semi-profesh, you know. He knew her Tex Cobb, her, her, you know, her brother. Her brother was who was must the, have been twenty-five years older than her. Yeah, the guy in prison, whose role I still—he was gonna have a role in the con before he gets killed. I still don't understand what Wolf was gonna do. He's 
he was just the guy brought into the con because he was the one that knew what happened to Diggs. Okay. He's the one that knew Bruce Dern's secret. Gotcha. Of, of, you know, the whole town knows Bruce Dern bet on the long shot and won their land. They didn't know that he was the one drugging Diggs to get him to lose. Right. But Wolf knew that, and that's why Wolf must die. And that's why I love that our only nudity in the movie is (laughs) uh, a dead and coffined Randall Tex Cobb. He just showed up like that at the train station or something? He dropped him off in a coffin. I don't get that. They they tried to make it look like he was escaping? It's another beautiful thing of we don't see uh, what we thought was going to be an important character's death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we just get a do they just is that is that how they show somebody what's what in the south you just drop off their body at a train station in a in a open coffin well, naked that's how bruce dern does it yeah and that won't be the last of it no dern dern is a man who will murder for a few thousand dollars the number well because he keeps up in the bet now it's a few hundred thousand dollars this guy could have just had a nice weekend fight you know, uh, extravaganza yeah, guy- for like ten grand. Take it or leave it. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But he had to keep pushing it. He had to keep up in the bet. He had to keep it's that, egging each other on. You know, just played right. In, uh, the The idea of all these people just playing right into the hands mm-hmm. of these con men is uh-huh. just something that, <laughs> like, you love to. It, it almost veers on the level of like a fantasy movie. I mean, this whole movie is a fantasy. Yeah. This is absurd. The idea it's absurd. of... It's absurd. The, Thank you. The idea, Finally. <laughs> I mean, the idea of fighting uh, five men in a 24-hour period is crazy. So, obviously, once we jump up to 10 men in a day, within the first 20 minutes of this movie, we already know we're playing in fantasy land. Okay, good you know. So let me get this straight. They're five-round fights, so this guy just has to do 50 rounds. <laughs> this This old man... And again, yeah, like you said, that's the con. Yeah, get our get our almost sixty great... year old boxing friend. Woods is only get con pounded. Seems to just talk people into getting their asses beat. <laughs> what a weird con! Who is con? How smooth, silver tongued do you have to be to be like? Here's the plan. Get yeah. your ass wrecked for the first nine maybe ten rounds stay standing but i mean get just fucked up lean into every punch this guy throws and this guy punches hard (laughs) they're all gonna punch hard but if you can make it into the 11th then the guy will go down you're like wait the plan is to just take a 40 minute beating (laughs) you gotta make it look good yeah you gotta make it work gotta make it look good the one thing i do know about cheating in boxing is you gotta make it look good yeah because those people do not buy the bullshit the the fans in the stands they know whether you're putting on a show or not so one thing that the fans (laughs) this is this plays into the whole ah nevertheless Mm -hmm. mindset of the folks of digstown (laughs) The one thing that they seem to accept is when Bruce Dern just openly fixes fights. Mm-hmm. Bruce Dern shows these people just how much he fixes fights. And there's just kind of a, like, so when he shows James Woods that great, stupid, showy, like, I'm going to straighten my tie, whistle to stop this fight, do my gladiator thumbs Roman, down, yeah, Marcus Aurelius. Uh, and then the guy takes a dive by taking one on the chin. And the, there's kind of some, 
Ow. And then some... <laughs> like, what? You just watched a man in a white suit and a pork pie hat yeah, that's no fun. do a thumbs down, and they're like, ah, well, all right. I mean, he's the boss. He's the boss. You can't mess with so him. So they do accept that, but they also boo when a fight doesn't look like it's fixed well. Yeah, they can smell the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So all of this, we get all of our big training montages. No good montage song. The score was the only thing lacking the for me in Digs strange. Down. Strange so, score. It feels like a library music score at times. Well, yeah, it's basically just all these variations on like fiddle music for most of it. And then jug band funk <laughs> for some of the rest of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it it's, James, a... it's James Newton Howard doing the music, really? which is like a guy. It's like, like an actual guy. guy, you know? It's like, so weird. Like one of these, like, so what do we use when he's uh, jogging in these backwoods? Like uh, kind of like a Zydeco up tempo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's go. Let's get some really like, like, whoa. What are it, we... It's it's digs down, baby. They do things differently here. It's like... There's like some circusy kind of themes. Like I do not know what the music it digs down. And then there's like for a '92 movie, there's some very '80s kind of synthy. Yeah, definitely in the training montages stuff going on. But yeah, the we establish when Louis Gossett Jr.'s <laughs> when they talk about making digs. This whole town basically honors this man's spirit. But also, uh, he's a vegetable now, and we don't really talk about him much around these parts. Look, the whole town is in celebration of Charles making digs. I'm trying to remember what character it was where he was like, well, he has his moments. Mostly, he just sits in a chair and stares out the window. And I was was, like, yeah, that's what a vegetable is. That was the... uh, That's the definition of a vegetable. That was the character who is also only introduced... Just to give them a place to train <laughs> boxing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who the, the, the one only man, farmer, the only farmer who didn't sell out. The or, one or man who just to, went fishing on the day of the big making digs fight, so he didn't lose his farm. You'd think though, every other movie with this plot, that's Bruce Dern's enemy. Sure, that's the guy that he's just like. How's that guy allowed to live? Look. We tried to get you to sell your land for a fair price, and now's when we force you. Like mm-hmm. that guy's just like, well, I didn't bet on the fight, and Brewster's just like, oh, well, <laughs> I got the rest of the town. But then he's like going to help them by providing this training uh, area, this mm-hmm. barn. But then he really couldn't care less either way. Still, no. he's just like, he's like, so uh, do you want to, you know, you want to come to the fight? Yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> right. He's just like, couldn't he, care less. He like doesn't really, really want to. St- he he doesn't seem to have that too many like bones to pick. He's just yeah. He was just like yeah. It was tough for a lot of people. A lot of people lost their farms, and, and lost their livelihood. The inner took dialogue, their lives. Yeah. <laughs> the inner dialogue is like these fucking idiots. <laughs> Hard to feel bad for people that bet the farm on a fight. Yeah. Again, I just, I find that hard, hard to swallow. Hard to swallow. <laughs> a lot of people get very conveniently introduced for one thing they do. Heather Graham is basically only introduced just so we can find out that Bruce Dern is worth more money than we realized. Right. She That's just, really she's her. just there for the bank records. Yeah. yeah. She works at the bank. And then I think she... Yeah, she really doesn't do anything at the end. At I'm all. not gonna argue about somebody wanting to put Heather Graham in a in you know like a loosely tied at the bottom uh, country <laughs> girl shirt in a movie for a few scenes. But honestly, 
James Woods, it would have made way more sense if they just knew Bruce Dern was worth a couple million dollars exactly. going into this. Rather than just upping the con for 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. But I, I think they needed a female in the cast. It's a, it's a otherwise, dude, it's a sausage It's a dude-heavy cast. Heavy cast. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's like the her and uh, Gossett's wife. Those are the women oh, in this movie. And she gets one line, Gossett's yeah. wife. She, Yeah, she doesn't even get the goodbye from Gossett. He's like, I got to make some phone calls every at other- three in the morning. And then she, she's done. Every other movie. that I, I do love that that is usually the thankless role of the woman being like, you told me you were getting out of this. And he's like, we need it. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I got to pay money. for yeah. my mom's dialysis. <laughs> and she's just this mean woman who's just like, Threatening, you know, just sullenly eating her dinner. Yeah, and instead he's just like, I'm "Gonna go call some people," and she's like, "Who are you calling at this hour?" He's like, "The people that are up at this hour." <laughs> like, well, all right. Then we don't see from her again. She's like, "Well, obviously she's cool with this." He made some phone calls Look, that convinced him to uh, go box for head, James Woods. I'm heading to Digstown. <laughs> uh, there's zero money guaranteed. <laughs> I have to beat ten men, none of whom I know. Who who could be all ringers in a twenty four hour period? The we I wish we did get a little bit more of his cash fighting history. All that we've got implied from Bruce Dern is he's a cash fighter who still packs a mean punch. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, we're I guess expected to believe that this dude's just working bare knuckle cash fights for the last twenty years of his life. That's true. The only thing we do know is that the only man he ever lost to was Hammerhead something or yeah. other. Those are his only two losses. Yeah. Were to Hammerhead Hagen. Hagen. But the whole movie, I think. But like, I, you don't ever get to know these people, is kind no, of the thing. You no, none really, of them. You don't really get the, the payoff of the relationship between Woods and Gossett Jr. James Woods' character is almost similar to, like, Law and Order Ice T. Yeah. In that his lines are like, so you're telling me that this new street drug is. Because James Woods' guy is. Almost the audience asking, like, okay, you're telling me you're Wolf's sister? <laughs> like, any question that the audience is going, like, wait a minute, is James Woods going, like, out loud, wait a minute, you're the guy in charge of this town? Wait a minute, a day is 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I see where we're going with this. A big strength of yeah. Digstown is the decision to make the 10 man fight. Half of the movie, mm-hmm. they oh, don't. Definitely. They don't like just leave this for the final twenty minutes. This is fifty minutes is built around this twenty-four hour period. Big time. Very smart. Uh, we can laugh at how they spent their time in the first half of the movie, the stuff they lingered on, and the stuff they just explained away in literally one sentence. But smart move to line up a 10, 10 person movie. And I think my love of this film is I really love fighting tournament movies. Yeah, once the fighting starts, this movie really gets into the groove. Yeah. Absolutely. I love a good fighting tournament, mm-hmm. you know, where you don't really see much of uh, the details of, okay, well, we don't know really what happened in these fights. You just get some quick montages of some knockouts from the the tertiary fighters in the tournament. You get a sense of who's moving through the round robin, and you're mainly seeing our highlights. We, we get no highlights of any fighters because the first we basically see of all of these other 10 boxers is during the fight itself. Yeah. 
I love the uh, kind of the the inspirational speech that Dern gives to all the fighters, telling them you're gonna go for the right eye, and then you're gonna go for the left eye, and if he's still standing, then you come in. That whole scene where he's just going from guy to guy. I think that did every one of their faces. I think that is just arguably like, the best it. scene in the entire movie. Loved it. That is such an acting tour de force. Mm-hmm. One of these things where I would love to see alternate takes. I'd like to see everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Every because you know Bruce Dern is you know this. Uh, you know he he trained the the one of the these famous yeah. acting <laughs> schools. You know, and so he's this such a Stepping weird wolf, guy. Uh, no, he doesn't have comedic acting. He was one of these like method kind mm-hmm. of actors, and just seeing the way he works this whole room, this whole scene must have been so fun to be an extra in that scene. Just watching Bruce Dern have to interact with, you know, a dozen plus guys mm-hmm. who are, he's all having individual tiny conversations to. And it's so much different from a normal, you know, nodding along coach speech. It's not firing up speech. It's this, when we see the great layout of Bruce Dern's con, the extension of like how he's not stupid enough to just think like, oh, I can pick 10 men. And like, he's going beyond just picking 10 tough fighters to beat Honey Roy Palmer, this old man <laughs> who's cleaned up on the cash fighting circuit. He has, <laughs> once he lays out his strategy about how he wants the first guy to just go after his left eye. Mm-hmm. Second guy, you I picked because you're a lefty and you got that left hook and you're going to go after the right eye. And he's got this great plan of what? First two rounds, you do exactly my strategy. If it goes beyond that, do whatever you want. Yeah. Try to beat him. But he has... All the first five guys he has are all targeting specific parts of Gossett's body, and I love that element mm-hmm. of it. I love that it's not just him sending out ten goons. You know, he's going into this with an actual plan to break down his rib, and he gets so descriptive, <laughs> and he brings yes. up all these great boxing coach manager quibbles about each fighter. He's like, "You, I've always said, you rely too much on your hook. Mm. If you get too close, you can't." unleash that hook well now you're number five and his body is gonna be weakened now's when i need your hooks it's like oh and that's so much good mustache and teeth acting yes movie the set of teeth on dern it is such a crazy mouth of chompers his upper (laughs) row of teeth are some of the longest teeth i have seen on a man this guy's got a mouthful of teeth and i love how he uses in this scene such an incredible role for him. I mean, he's a celebrated actor, but all actors have their dips, mm. you know. But I love this late '80s, early '90s period for him. You know, like the Burbs. Oh yeah, this <laughs> was just a couple of years before this. He was really years. firing on like this is a great era for Bruce Stern. And Digstown is one of these. Like I said, shocked at how I cannot imagine a film critic not just getting joy. From watching Bruce Stern <laughs> in this movie. Right, if nothing else. Like, that seems like a thing you would recommend to your readers if you were a movie <laughs> critic, right? Like, no matter your complaints about how far-fetched some of the story elements go, if there's an actor that you like, and I think Bruce Stern is an actor everybody likes, and he is in a role this good and this well-suited for him, just as you say, Oliver Platt's role perfectly suited to him. James Woods can't imagine you know who could have played his part better mm-hmm. this is a thing that you recommend to your crowd but that pre-fight speech from bruce stern probably my favorite scene in the movie definitely the best acted scene 
you know that the the least silly when you really get that sense of the meanness and the lengths he's going to go that this guy isn't just a, he's ensuring that he does not lose as the best gamblers usually do they know when to make their bets mm-hmm. but the fights i love the fights i love how this whole 10 man fight played out it's so good and as i said earlier goss's acting got i think really really good once he was in the ring some he's left some pretty thankless dumb guy roles at the sake of uh, our lines in this movie at the sake of in speeding up the plot Mm -hmm. so his acting really gets to come out when he's just taking beatings and bruce dern talking about his legendary one punch power this is a man yeah who can knock guys out with a single blow and that you have to take seriously yeah he does respect him he respects Mm -hmm. the the honey roy yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I just love that. Yeah, the mythos that all of a sudden this guy's a one punch yeah. fighter. Like, wait, well, that's when good. Did yeah, that on, on his official record, what he had like thirty three knockouts in thirty six fights. Mm-hmm. You know, whew, this guy's got power. <laughs> I guess that's good. That's good. That's, <laughs> as a man, who's as much as I know about southern boxing, underground uh, fist fighting, I, I know I know very little about gambling, conning, and boxing. So. <laughs> I really was, yeah, just uh, by the time we got to the movie, I was like, all right, I can follow people punching each other. At least I got that much. Yeah. And you got a couple guys who uh, Platt has bribed. Mm-hmm. So you got the Two one. Two of the ten are are on the take. So you got that good subplot where you know these guys are not going to pull this off. These right. two guys that have been on the take. They are way too fidgety looking at each other like, oh, man, I don't know <laughs> if we can do this. And uh, the one guy doesn't do very well. Yeah. Pretty obvious that he threw the fight and brutally bad. In the middle of this 10 man boxing match, we now get this <sighs> insane sub subplot of Bruce Dern lynching <laughs> this yeah, black movie fighter. Gets, movie gets racial really, really aggressively so for and, 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. And we even like have like that day they have a funeral. In between the boxing <laughs> for this guy. Have you ever had a funeral turn around in six hours from <laughs> death of this movie. to burial? The, the Tex that just... funeral, man. <laughs> Wolf's funeral. Which is another... Did they have this funeral just as an excuse for Oliver Platt to drive, just the, a, yeah. drive the big red truck through town with the... Fl- we're going to so give many this man scenes. the best funeral he's ever seen. That's right. Yeah. It, it was yeah, it was the wolf funeral that I was conflating <laughs> with the the young kid. Yeah, uh-huh. but still, Dude. why 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 did that any of that happen? At this funeral <laughs> with the choir, the, the like choir over 36 the 36 man choir. <laughs> they get the big We don't see any of this choir, but we get this full Georgia church choir and I love this one guy peacock and like hell uh-huh. over every part this song i don't know the name of the song i just know that 80 percent of the lyrics are jesus mm-hmm. and there's one guy who sounds like he's recorded in a booth separate from everybody else who's singing kind of these normal stanzas and he's just in the background just going jesus as and you do this guy's just Feeling peacocking it. it at this funeral well and i so i ended up re-watching digs town with my headphones in so did you notice how much you could hear the crowd in the yeah. fight and individual lines? There's so many heckles, so There's, many like you can hear everyone. First of all, the whole town comes out again for the middle of the night fight here. According and, to the poster that I paused in in the movie, 
the prices the prices for this fight 10 bucks mm-hmm. 20 bucks for the vip seats oh that's nice you would have thought bruce dern hustler and con that he is would have known that this is the hottest attraction that this Digstown Arena has seen in years. And he's letting Oliver Platt go around person to person for individual bets. Why is Bruce Dern letting that happen? I okay. would be like, shut that down. You're telling me how confused you are by gambling and conning <laughs> in general. The thing that confuses me most yes. in every fighting movie is the guy who's standing in the middle of a crowd of 50 people going like okay okay i got three to one four to one all right and people are just handing ten, him ten stacks 20, of 20 bills. 80 all right yeah. like he has no notepad he's not like remember like he's getting money handed to him from eight different hands all times and he's just grabbing them and stacking them and shoving in pockets and like licking the tip of a pen going <laughs> like all right all right you yeah four to one on the 20 and this yeah. guy in the fourth and then also round, watching yeah. the fight as it's going on yeah all these reactions that that oliver platt seemed to have just filmed separately in his own grandstand crowd you get all these great whenever a fight is going a certain way it'll cut to platt stopping taking all the action uh the money action Mm -hmm. and to just kind of do like a shrug (laughs) with a head cock like i don't know i don't know i don't know is he why isn't this guy throwing the fight i thought he was throwing yeah yeah we paid him to throw this fight and Everybody's con everybody. Bruce Dern is letting Oliver Platt just take all this side action right in front of him in this Digstown arena that he owns. And <laughs> none of this makes just sense. Could, none of it makes sense. So some, yeah. And then you, you get the young boxer who's killed through the lynching. Then yeah. the very next scene, you also have to throw in that the Florida bookie gang is unhappy with Woods. And they almost lynch him up. They put a noose around his neck, too. Yeah. Why 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 do they have beef all of a sudden? Yeah. He's got to have specific beef with this young kid from the bookie gang who's Rami or Rayleigh or who yeah, knows yeah. what he is. This feud, we don't oh, see this character up until now, and now they have this whole backstory that we get caught up to like 90 minutes into an hour, 45-minute movie. We just learn of some other guy that Woods wronged decade ago who knows how long ago who's now picked of all times now to just join our movie That's so crazy but but then you think back to when you know i, I assume he worked for that guy in miami the yeah ponytail it's the guy. young guy from the ponytail guy yeah but even then that just makes me re- remember earlier in the movie when woods is talking to that guy they're talking about five thousand dollars this guy sent nine toughs to Georgia to find James Woods and like lynch him for what a five thousand dollars that he's not even delinquent on yet. Well, the thing the is, fights are still happening. Woods keeps getting Ponytail Guy to agree to put up more money. So by the end, Ponytail Guy's put up all this money. Isn't Ponytail Guy gonna get all that yeah, money back? What, yeah. Not James Woods. Woods. Woods has no money. It's not his money to put up. Ponytail <laughs> Guy put the money up. Yeah, what is Woods taking from this? I don't know. I don't know what he wins. I don't know what <laughs> I don't what understand who wins what because all the money seems to be borrowed, but the guy they're borrowing it from is just there ready to collect. I just, it's just get a job, man. <laughs> get a job. Well, if this seems like it's not worth it. He almost gets hung. And that's my favorite. My favorite line is when he shows up at the barn with the noose still around his neck. He goes, I hate being hung. I just hate it. <laughs> 
the fuck? Just rubbing, rubbing his new neck wound. Like, that this he's, is not the first time I've been strung up by the, my neck. <laughs> the boxers that we get. Yeah, this whole side plot between the brothers who we get the little scene with, with Platt bribing these two guys, like, what, five grand? So many subplots. And <laughs> so many subplots. The guy throws the fight in the worst way, but then his brother, Hambone, mm-hmm. good, good fighter name, gets that, yeah, what? If you don't win your fight, we we lynch your brother in the arena. Yeah, in the Digstown arena. His like, brother who badly cops. threw the fight. Yeah. yeah. Well, the cops are in on it. Uh, I know. They're That's owned. Small town They're sheriff in the pocket. But even then, I was surprised at how much damage they were they were letting Gossett Jr. take from the get go. I thought that one punch power. I always think it's going to come out in the first like two three fights mm-hmm. where he's just taking guys down. He's just taking shots pretty frequently. Throughout this, yep. The way you do when you sign up for fifty rounds of fighting in a in a single day. But I love that uh, almost punch out structure. The movie, the movie gets real yeah, punch yeah, out yeah, definitely. at a point. Uh, guys are coming out with their own. <laughs> Who's the guy? It comes out in the jean shorts. <laughs> yeah, he's like town favorite. They don't. They barely give him a name. Hawkins, or maybe he was Hawkins, or maybe another fighter is. But right. the whole town's just like. This is our boy, and we know his antics. The first five fighters uh, in the first half of this tournament are all like legit-looking boxers with actual like boxing the fr- shorts the guy, and all that stuff. The guy Buck, the yeah. first fighter, he was an actual like. I don't think he did anything, but he at least had fights against guys like Larry Holmes and <laughs> but, James Buster Douglas. But like so they're he, all in the movie; they're all boxers. Yes, the second half of these dudes are all just farm boys. Yeah. With jean shorts and uh, names like Tank. Oh, Tank is a Tank the ponytail guy. He's he's the big one. Yeah. Second (laughs) half, we get the guy in the jean shorts. We get Hambone. We get Tank. We get our big surprise fighter. The uh, we get. Let me tell you my least favorite part of the movie is the guy who James Woods. The part of the big con relied on one guy uh, getting really bad gas. (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's, that's a, the worst that is, that is such that, a that's something you'd see like in another 1992 sports so movie. out of place like the mighty ducks i yeah. could see them like giving a goalie bad gas well they poisoned this kid's water bottle to give him the shits why didn't they do that for everyone yeah why didn't they poison everyone yeah why is this just a like, thing this you will can... only work once <laughs> yeah. they go up with separate cons for each fighter yeah it's like guys Keep it simple. <laughs> if if that flatulence in the old what did they what were they putting in there? Some kind I of I don't know some diarrhea <laughs> potion. I don't know what they put in there. How, Laxatives maybe. How loud were that guy's farts? Oh, he shit it. Those were farts. Were, he was you, shitting himself. But so you he were listening to that in the headphones. In his pants. I am. I need to look oh, up yeah, who who that the was not sound a great editor moment. was on this movie. Who was making this guy fart louder than like a cheering arena of people? Because well, the, the fans were like gasping and making noises, and these things were like mic'd up. Yeah, the whole crowd goes deathly silent as soon as they realize this guy is shitting himself <laughs> in the boxing ring. And even Louis Gossett Jr. is just like, "Oh man, get me away from here!" What a weird yeah. way to take out one of the ten. What a weird scene that somebody was like, "It'll play. We got to have this in." So out of place, so weird. I, I just, I, and then I feel bad for that actor who's like, gotta go to the premiere and just like, oh, this is the scene where I shit myself. 
<laughs> hey, so, mom, I'm in a movie. <laughs> so oh, really? I'm, I'm one of ten boxers. Which boxer are you? The one that shits himself on camera. <laughs> There's a couple of tough roles for <laughs> actors to show people, so you've been acting. What are you, what are you doing in the movie? What about, yeah. Let's talk about that other actor. Let's talk about boxer number three who, uh, who gets to drop a hard N on Louis Gossett Jr. Um, Shocking. An, uh, abs- I was gobsmacked. For a movie when that with happened. you know Louis Gossett Jr. is a black boxer, and there's no other black people in town other right. than Hambone and his brother. So th- the three black people we see in this movie are like, and those guys are pretty negatively portrayed. I gotta say, in that scene where they're accepting the bribe, yeah, not great, they, right? But <laughs> but but even with that, there aren't really any hints of like. We keep things white out later in Digstown. Sure. You know, this it's doesn't seem like a town. super racist town, except for these 10 minutes of the movie where black guys can get lynched with no repercussion and the fighters are dropping hard ends. Hard. Uh, just the hardest. Just yelling it. Wow. In the Even middle in of 1992. Yeah. Didn't expect that in the movie. That was surprising. Man. Uh, that caught me off guard. That guy's only other line of the movie is way earlier when uh he passes Oliver Platt's truck mm. and goes I would cut my dick off to have that truck. So you're like, "Oh, what do you do in the movie?" He's like, "Well, I got two lines. One of them's me talking about cutting my dick off and the other one's using the worst slur." <laughs> That's me. No, no, I disappear for like an hour of the movie, but I come back to to call a guy the N-word. I would cut my Dick off for that truck is what. What's he says. the point of having the truck, man? Is that a sl- is that a saying? Was that a thing? That's, that's like, what I think. That's one of those. You know things. that truck will cost you an arm and a leg, or you could cut your dick off. Yeah, what about my dick? <laughs> that way I can s- steer with both hands. I think that's maybe that's one of those things where you open your mouth, meaning to say another thing, <laughs> right. and just something else like. Uh, you know, like, man, I'm going to bang your ass. I'm like, what? No. Uh, I meant beat, but then it uh, came, you know. Right. He was going to say something like, I, I want to shove my dick in that truck. <laughs> yeah, I want to bang like... that truck's exhaust pipe. <laughs> That's what I would do for that truck. I'd treat it right. So uh, it's just like, do you take your parents to the premiere? Yeah, do you tell your family, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the dick cutoff, oh, man. also so, so N-word you're the, guy. You're the best friend of, like, the, the guy who runs the, his son? His son? Yeah. So you're going to be in this movie a lot. It's like... Well, I bring up cutting my dick off, and then <laughs> I, I I come back an hour or so later uh, for a quick scene. A quick scene. This guy only lasts like two seconds oh, in the fight. He so literally he, gets spanked after saying He does. Louis Gossett Jr. pummels him, bends him over, and spanks him. <laughs> and see, that, the, cr- that's and the crowd better. loves it. Oh, that's yeah. why it's... They really. Oh, the crowd was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, they, nobody was cheering when the guy dropped this in. But... That actor, I did not know this until oh, yeah, I saw it. In, I saw it is. in the credits. I didn't know this guy was in it. It's Jim Caviezel. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Wow, some early uh, career Jesus. Oh man, I mm-hmm. did not. I did not pick up on that at all. Jim Caviezel is probably one of only a few dozen actors to get to play Jesus and drop a hard N in a in an acting career. I can only think of maybe two, three dozen other actors who I mean, had that's, that same thing. That's why you get in the biz, you know? Yeah, that's why you get in there, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Some people want to. I just c- want to explore the human soul and imagination and <laughs> say the N word on camera. <laughs> <laughs> this this ten minutes of the movie where there's just murders and they get yeah real noose happy for a while. But though I will say, hats off to Hambone. Mm. I thought his for a plot line that comes really out of nowhere. I really loved him just fighting for his brother's life yeah. in that ring. Cause he get, cause Bruce Stern figures out these two got paid off by James right, right. Woods. So your brother already lot already cost me one man. He dies if you don't take honey Roy out. And so this guy who's supposedly on the take is just fighting for his brother's life. And one thing the movie, I kind of like how they keep it ambiguous. The guy loses eventually, runs back there, finds his brother already hanged with a real weak suicide note. Yeah. I'm ashamed of losing. I couldn't take it anymore. You know, the kind of thing that Bruce Stern doesn't even try to cover up is, oh, looks like we got this note here. Yeah. Looks looks like the boy just couldn't take losing. (laughs) Yeah. Plays plays it like, oh, well, that kid uh, stubbed his toe, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh well, back to the tournament, man. Like no one cut. No, yeah, still got three guys. No one calls it off. Nobody calls off the fight. Nobody suspends the time. We just someone killed themselves in this building just now. But uh, we'll see you guys. We back still here got for three. the rest of the Look, fight. We're already over the hump. We're in fight seven. At this point, we might as well just finish them up and deal with the coroners later. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah. what a what a tough role to be broken up about this brother this relationship we know nothing about we've met these fighters once mm-hmm. when they got bribed we don't really know them and then suddenly this is, this is one of those scenes that is usually reserved for a major character in the movie hambone is not a major character <laughs> and yet he has to go Sorry, through this hambone. this brutal grieving scene uh where he realizes there's going to be no repercussions these people own the town his brother's death is is already just a a forgotten memory already and he has to take this as serious as possible this is the most serious drama we get in this movie even more serious than wolf's funeral i mean this is like this is intense stuff but really well played by that actor the 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 tears that he when he's holding his brother and i like that the movie keeps it really ambiguous that we don't know if they hanged his brother the second the fight started anyway right you know that's what i was thinking that seems like win or lose that his brother was dying anyway yeah and i like that they just didn't outright you know have bruce dern give a guy a signal that hambone doesn't see you know because we don't really know how word would have gotten back to the back of the arena anyway exactly was a guy watching like oh no yep he up yep hang him let him go hope he uh isn't still choking when hambone gets here yeah exactly um but I love our surprise fight because it just brings in tons of other timeline questions. Because, of course, we only got that tiny tidbit earlier about, you know, only one man beat Honey Roy Palmer. Mm-hmm. TKO and a draw back in 72. Then he never fought again, except for his cash fights. So we get Hammerhead coming out. This guy, if one guy was named Tank, this guy looks like an absolute beast. This guy's intense. And guy's again, like, when did Hammerhead and so Honey Roy fight, right? Their like last fight would have been 70s? 72. 
Hammerhead looks to be like a 30-year-old man. Willie Green was born in 1966, the guy who plays Hammerhead. (laughs) Just so we're clear. He looks like a young man. He was like, yeah, barely 30. So So he knocked out... Honey Roy, when he was like an eight-year-old. When he was like eight years old, yeah. No wonder this guy's such a legend. According to the canon. Okay. (laughs) So, Hammerhead, I was already getting all these Punch-Out vibes, because all these guys, it's just Louis Gossett Jr. facing these boss battles. This guy is... Hammerhead is straight up just Mr. Sandman from Punch-Out. He's even just like, say goodnight, Mac. You know, like he's... How's this feel? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's such a like... Time in my combos and like now for a real knockout. Like, right? Oh, totally. Such a so punch out, but <laughs> but yeah. So Roy lost to Hammerhead in seventy two, and they had made this deal during the long uh, fight negotiation table meeting that the has to be a resident within yes. the county because if they're a resident of this county, they're Digstown people. Mm-hmm. And James Woods, you know, now you can't go moving in anybody after the fact. Well, of course, Bruce Dern does. Every loophole that Bruce Dern exploits, even James Woods is just like, ah, well, nevertheless. <laughs> when he, when Bruce Dern sends his son, Robbie, yeah. out there to walk out and then walk to the back. To seemingly to forfeit. Seemingly forfeit. But not Bruce officially. Dern's like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. He never stepped foot in the ring. And it's like. Who the fuck cares? He didn't fight. Like how's and then they're like, is that a rule? Is that the th- is that the rule? They they look to the ponytail guy. Is that is that right? Yeah, right? And the and ponytail bookie's like, yeah, that's the rules, man. I don't make them. If he did not, if both feet didn't clear the plane of the ropes, like hold on. But like, where's the rule? Where's the rule book? But there's here? no official here. It's just a bunch of guys being like, "That's the rules, man. That's how they play it. That's what we're doing. That's yeah, the, that's how it works." Sounds Bruce about Stern right. comes up with all these like Digstown rules, and even yeah, again, anytime they bring up one of these ridiculous plot points, uh, James Woods and Oliver Platt always have to be the audience being like. What kind of kindergarten rule is this? Yeah, because you know everybody in the crowd's going, "Wait, what?" Yeah, this just because the guy, the man, stepped on the apron of that ring. Yeah, looked looked honey in the eyes and then walked walked back. Looked like a fool. <laughs> how would you, how would you live with yourself in in the town of Diggs after <laughs> doing that? Ah, this town of Diggs. This town of of making Diggs. Um, but Hammerhead, this thirty year old man who. Here's what I want to know. I just keep having more and more of these hammerhead questions. <laughs> Apparently. How much and why does Hammerhead just want to fucking kill Honey Roy Harper? He moved he's back. Got a vendetta against the guy that he's already beat he's twice. Beat him twice. <laughs> 20 years ago. When he was just a boy. Yeah. And then he's like, uproot <laughs> my life and move back to Digstown. Under cover of darkness, so I can be. How much could Bruce Dern have paid him? Exactly. What was Bruce Dern offering Hammerhead? And Hammerhead's like, I just want to beat that old son of a bitch (laughs) one more time. I've already beaten him twice, but my gloves haven't tasted his face in 20 years. It's been 20 years. Surely in that time, my career has progressed as a boxer beyond this old man that I had probably no memory of because it was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Boxers aren't remembering their fights from 20 years God. ago. How badly does he want to just beat Honey Roy Park- Harper's ass to oh. move back to Digstown just to be the 10th man? Like, all of these... 
everybody in this movie had to have been paid off. Where's this money coming from? Yeah. Who's putting out the money? I don't know how much money it would have talked took to get Hammerhead to move officially back to Diggs. I would have loved in the movie if, like, towards the end, they're like, "Gonna bring out the secret guy," and his partner's like, "So uh, to Bruce Dern, like." Did you get Hammerhead? He's like, no, he passed. But uh, we got someone else. He like, passed on the deal. Um, <laughs> we ass- wasn't for him. But we, we assumed <laughs> that his feud with Palmer would still be raging inside of him twenty years later. Turns Even- out, two fights is not a feud. <laughs> yeah, two fights that you won, one of them decisively, uh, that put the man out of uh, regulated boxing for good. <laughs> Turns out. Hammerhead just shut the door he's good. on his feud with uh, with yeah with oh, no, old buddy. He, he was at the MGM in Vegas this week because he's an actual boxer. Yeah, because this man is in his boxing prime, <laughs> as you can tell by his physique and his relative Jacked. youth that compared to everyone. So I do love just punch out mannerisms, and there's no consistency within boxing movies of which ones are treated seriously and which ones are ridiculous a movie like gladiator gets called ridiculous because brian dennehy headbutts a man into the front row (laughs) a movie like digstown is called ridiculous because a man takes 10 fights in a day and hammerhead is just tenderizing him like a side of beef for way too long it's like all the rocky movies though where you just People are getting beat beyond recognition. They're not even putting the guard up anymore. As yeah. soon if if you no a, defense, just in a boxing match, if you are at the point where you can't even raise your fist to block your head, they call the fight. Yeah, they if don't can, just let if you, you are get showing that you around. cannot defend yourself. Yeah. The fight, the the ref steps in, and every boxer in in Digstown, they only know to throw. They're full of nobody's setting up a jab <laughs> exactly. to land a land a cross. They're just swinging haymakers. That's why it's so fight. impressive when Hammerhead comes out because he actually is like doing the moves. Right. Yeah. This guy actually moved yeah. uh, more like a boxer. <laughs> we get. I think they they did this on purpose. They got actual trained boxers for the very first fight and the tenth fight. Right. And the end, fill yeah. in the middle with just locals and then. But yeah, the guy in the beginning clearly had footwork. The ones that needed to be in fights that went. Three rounds on the team. Right. But then other boxing movies that get like heaped praise from critics and awards like Million Dollar Baby. Mm. The same boxing. It's it's same Rocky fights. It's all these big nothing but like haymakers and uppercuts connecting. And I remember this because when I saw Million Dollar Baby in the theaters, one woman sitting in front of me, mm-hmm. every time a punch landed. This is a movie about boxing a two-hour-plus movie about boxing. There's a lot of punches that landed. Uh-huh. Every time there was like a punch or a knockout, she would go, Jesus! <laughs> just hit, hit her hard. Just this violence was just hitting her every just, That's oh, great. oh, my God. Oh, I can barely stand Jesus. it. I thought this was about a rich toddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of three things wrong with the title of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved in this movie is the sound of the punches. Oh yeah. This movie was like me and my brother in a in our room just going pew, 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 Yeah. Just everything. The, the oh, sounds. Man. The se- like I and said, then you the- just have these people in the background like a thousand dollars. I don't I don't know if I've I'm so glad you stuff in the background going on all the time. I'm so glad you brought up the uh <laughs> the crowd noise and the uh the people 
there must have been just one guy employed to yeah. just speak into a bunch of mics and record this surround you sound. You gotta be kidding me! I've yeah. seen this movie so many times. I've <laughs> never noticed how many uh, clear just crowd noises are like, like this guy's on the take. <laughs> 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 it's just like all these like one guy's just get in a, a man bone. Yeah, one guy's <laughs> in a booth just recording like seventy different one-off sentences that yeah. are just used to pepper throughout the Digstown arena. That definitely added to like the video game kind of punch out vibe mm-hmm. too. It, yeah, sure. it sounded just these like video game sound bites coming in, and I never noticed it before. I assume it's because we're watching upgraded video and yeah, sound yeah, now. Yeah. Every other time I've watched it, it's either been on you know. Uh, regional TV, VHS, Laserdisc. <laughs> it's currently on the HBO Max, so right. you can watch it on the streaming right now. Which, do so. Yeah. Obviously. If for some reason I feel you like listen this, to a three-hour Digstown is, cast. Uh, yeah, this episode is actually going to play out exactly as long as Digstown, so you might goal. as well just play the movie and listen to this yeah, at the same time. Yeah, that was time. my goal. Yeah, this is uh, a listen-along. I'll go twice as long. <laughs> I'll, I'll fill another hour Please, on Digstown. I, I can't talk anymore about Digstown. <laughs> trust with this dry mouth <laughs> over there. My family. So, <laughs> these cutaways, I don't know, man, I could not stop laughing this time. Because Vigo shows up in his wheelchair to the Digstown yes. Arena. Yeah, he's there to see the fight. Diggs is there. Catatonic. Vegetable state. This man, as uh, the the one guy who didn't lose his land to Bruce Stern stated, he's mostly a vegetable these yeah. days. He has his moments. But... He has his moments. Mostly a vegetable. We keep showing him in the crowd, and it's such a ghostly creepy guy who imagine getting your ticket next to this guy yeah really. sitting down this guy just looks like a ghoul like just ugh, he looks like the ghost of the Digstown arena past he also doesn't really it's like he he's not in the vip section he is up in the this rafters 20 rows up is, how did he get there people are like walking by him pushing <laughs> over around him he's so high up it's like somebody just stuck him in a corner and was like all right you be good now so this man who the town celebrates in every way, and they aren't going to take two-bit hucksters saying one cross word about <laughs> exactly. Charles Macon Diggs. This whole thing starts because he's ins- they've insulted Charles Macon Diggs. This, the guy that they barely, barely acknowledge a as a human being <laughs> in, in, anymore. In How is this guy not ringside center as a man of honor? A so guest funny. to be praised. He's a digs man. He's a digs man more than anyone. And all we get, what a what an hour of shooting this man <laughs> went through. Because we just cut to him in a wheelchair occasionally, just going just like... <laughs> just he, nothing. He basically is the grandpa in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. like sitting there behind well, what looks like dead? a weird plaster mask. Yeah. We, but this man... Uh, Louis Gaza Jr. just happened to run by his place while he was training. Apparently, his training grounds were within running I think, distance. I think he of... knew who Diggs was. It was like they ran in the same circles. You know, sure. One well, boxer knows another. Gossett's and and Diggs have been boxing since the early forties. Absolutely. <laughs> and so these As guys has hammerhead. Well, <laughs> all of these men go back fifty years in the profession. <laughs> these men that are all ranging from twenty eight to forty eight. Yeah. And we get this very tough Louis Gaza Jr. acting role where he, you know, I know what they did to you, Diggs. 
And Diggs just has to sit there the whole time, just not moving. Just in a wheelchair looking at a lake. Just a shell of a man, brain dead. Yeah. And now he's just 20 rows up at the Diggstown Arena. Like, <laughs> isn't if this man moves, I would have been stunned. How did he get to the arena? Who's taking him to the fights? Who's lugging him up these yeah, stairs? Yeah, you, you don't see his caregiver exactly. <laughs> like, who is... Hanging out with them, trying to feed him a soda and a hot dog. That high up. <laughs> they don't. He should have had like a bib on and like some, <laughs> yeah. some surprise. This man doesn't look like he can function in any kind of society. Yeah. It's shocking. But uh, if you're a regular wheelchair man, you get a good seat at a boxing fight. I would hope so. You get a good seat just, on the floor. Just a regular Joe in a wheelchair, sure. Any guy shows up in a wheelchair, they're getting a premium seat. That's one of the that's one of the gigs you get by right. being in a wheelchair. You get to cut the line at Disneyland, it, yeah. and you get a good spot at the boxing match. But the man that the town is named after yeah. for his legendary boxing exploits at the biggest boxing fight that only started because of Diggs is like in a obstructed view seating. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's on like a corner. Yeah. He's on like a little edge. It's dark uh, way up there. Up there. It's yeah, like can... the part they don't light <laughs> in the stadium. This poor guy. <laughs> he got brain damaged by Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern's like, you know what? Give him, give, give him, him the of... shits. Yeah, give him yeah. way up there. He's gonna be looking through the ring post the whole night. That's terrible where, like, shot. The, the visiting players' wives sit, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. And people are just around him like this is a normal guy. You think this would be like a, a man that people would be getting? You know, oh, yeah, I want to. Want to shake you this man's think, hand? Yeah. They just—he is wallpaper. He's old news. He's old yeah. news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The town's named after him, but we don't own the town anymore, so we don't have that town pride. But oh, we'll fight anybody. They have—they have enough pride to say the name of the town in every sentence. Yes, pretty much every sentence that Bruce Dern says is like, "Well, we in Digstown." Yeah, think twenty-four hours is not a day. <laughs> I have been doing a running tally, and I've been making sure to to drop. Charles Macon Diggs' name, uh, just to pay respects. You did, you did well, and it all builds up to this moment. I I was giggling so hard, and I don't know why, but Hammerhead is just wrecking the insides of Palmer. Mm-hmm. I mean, this man shouldn't be standing. He's been boxing for twenty four hours against the best Diggstown has to <laughs> offer. And, you know, James Woods is throwing in the towel. We get that. Oh, God, that whole (laughs) slow-mo, like, no. No. And Bruce Dern's like, yes. (laughs) James Woods throws in the towel, but Lou Gossett Jr. grabs the towel and Mm -hmm. throws it back out of the arena, which apparently is also legal. That invalidates the towel throw. Yeah, there is no, yeah, there is no towel throw. Keep it going. Which that might be a real rule. I don't know the, I'm sure if a corner wants to throw in the towel, they have to like, I don't know if it's they actually. Didn't, they didn't even ask Ponytail Guy, like if that was part of the rules or not. We didn't get confirmation. Yeah, we didn't get confirmation from the, the man holding all the, the equity here. <laughs> the man with the real stakes in this, apparently. But yeah, the, the towel getting thrown in with the no cutting immediately to Bruce Dern going yeah <laughs> like he's like his eyeballs are watching the trajectory of the towel just like uh-huh, exactly. exactly what I had planned on <laughs> oh man 
And so once Gossett comes back out, he only gets inspired to come back out firing when we do this long cutaway and Gossett locks eyes with Diggs. Yep. Way in the back, the cheap seats. He sees him up there. And they see him. And in my head, I have this great faulty memory where I can see a movie a dozen times and there's still very key parts of the plot that I don't remember. Sure. sure. <laughs> so every time there's... I have a weird thing with endings. I always forget how a movie ends. <laughs> no matter how many times. Just like, does he die? Does this guy die? <laughs> this movie? Who dies? Somebody might die. I know it's called Digstown, but does, does yeah. Diggs die? No. <laughs> and so it's like I never remember certain plots. And so I'm watching them focus on Vigo sitting there in his chair 20 rows up. And I was like fully expecting him to stand out of his wheelchair because it's like the music's swelling and Gossett's been down for what has to be like a 70 count yeah. at this point. Real slow-mo count. Benny Urquidez on the count there. Very slow Very, count. very generous. And I was, and I just start giggling, picturing, first I picture Vigo standing out of his chair and then it being both like a big moment, like that's really impressive for him and it's inspiring right. through Gossett. But then I'm wondering... Oh, is he gonna do like the slow clap, like like the like Gorbachev does in Rocky Four, when uh, Rocky beats uh, uh, right, Drago, Drago, and he does the like <clears throat> the respectful clap, yes, which which then it swells. I was expecting the crowd to swell, but uh, and so then I'm giggling, picturing uh, Vigo doing his like inspiring the people be like yeah actually honey roy has done a really good job tonight we <laughs> he should is be the hero yeah he is the good guy in all of this instead it just zooms in on his hand like sitting in a chair <laughs> <laughs> it just like zooms in on his left hand and he just kind of like uh like barely raises he barely it like raises inch. his hand off of the arm it's just this little like kind of fluttery twitch just barely raises his hand off of the off the wheelchair. If the camera hadn't zoomed in on his hand, if it was just showing him in his chair, I might not have even noticed his hand raised. Yeah. But Gossett... How is, Gossett saw that Gossett is, is looking me. for a sign, and the, they couldn't even make him do the little thumbs down. That Bruce, It's just like a hand, just kind of, just a dead fish, just kind of flopped on his armrest, and Gossett's like... Could have just been a muscle spasm. Yeah, could, could, exactly. It's <laughs> like the same as an eye twitch. Yeah. And But for some reason, Gossett's like, fuck yeah. That's it, baby. That's what I needed to see. I'm doing this for Diggs. And he is, I guess, probably fully behind me uh, based on that little hand flutter. Right. We have an understanding, clearly. Yeah. And obviously there's more shenanigans. Uh, a a oh. secret 11th boxer. An 11th boxer. Because, Very video uh, game. Very video game. Uh, Guillaume didn't step into the ring. And <laughs> as stated in the Miami book of... Uh, okay. Yeah. And that's when uh, it's the same prisoner that we saw working over Tex Cobb in jail. We're getting some characters reintroduced that we'd never even considered were actual characters. The warden characters. comes back, yeah. Everyone, the one character that comes prison back, guys come back is a guy that I would have assumed is a background character. Because <laughs> he's the unmentioned fighter in the fight with a main character. Right. They aren't going to say like, man, you really took Minoso Torres to the limit there. Nope. Just the guy beating up Tex Cobb. They sure say his name a thousand times at the end when they're introducing him, though. Yeah, that's Minoso. Give me, give me the headline on this guy, Minoso Torres. I don't need his name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's great. And so Woods then gets to do his own little like, ah, uh, uh, but he had already gotten a Torres, and then 
It's the classic, like, I knew that you knew that I knew that you knew yeah. that I knew. These people got to have backup plans to the backup plan to get to the backup plan. Yeah. All for like $120 with a couple of gift certificates to the Red Lobster. I know. What, what happens to Hammerhead after he loses? He's like, well, can I stay? Yeah. Or... Do I have to remain in Digstown <laughs> as part of this bet? Like, what are... What's How long's on? the lease yeah. on my basement apartment? It all builds. I earlier called the the Bruce Dern uh, rallying speech to his men mm-hmm. his best moment. Maybe the greatest line in the movie is right after Bruce Dern loses everything. Loses the whole town. Yeah. He's fucked. He just kind of gets up, and he's not flipping out yet, but he's getting out and trying to leave his row. And some guy's blocking the end of the row, and Bruce Dern just goes, do you mind? I just lost this piece of shit town. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> and then later, and then right after that, he comes up to his other guys like, what, what are you guys uh, so upset about? You didn't lose everything like yeah. I did. He's really I love rubbing it in. He's not like having this like, oh, breakdown. Yeah. He's just like talking to people just like, like, oh, yeah, you think you're doing bad? I just lost this whole piece of shit town, okay? So... I win. Yeah. Maybe as, let's put things into perspective, as things, boys. As, yeah, I win as the loser. Yeah, I'm the most loser. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has a great freak out then when uh, he tries to pull the gun and oh, sure. Gossett Jr. gets to hold him back and, and let uh, Hambone... Hambone gets to... uh, yeah, Gossett's like, I'm all beat up. I, I can't do it. My, my you, hands you gotta, hurt. You gotta punch this guy for me. <laughs> my hands me. hurt. Hambone. So Hambone, you know, tr- trades one punch for his brother's life. Yeah. Now yeah. we're even. Not a lot of justice for Hambone. Even getting to punch Bruce Dern one time. This deserved a pouncing and a. This deserved more fists. Hambone needed. Yeah, needed a little more. Oh man. And then it just kind of. Then we. Then we're just like. Then it ends. <laughs> then it ends. <laughs> Again, no money is ever exchanged. I don't know how James it, Woods and and Lou Gossett Jr. just sit on the in, in a bleacher at the end, going. And James Woods, the last lines are, you know, what you did couldn't have been done. Well, now you inspire me. Now you me. inspire me. The end. You never really got to know these people. You don't know where they're going next. <laughs> and I you love... don't know what's going to happen to any of them. It's not clear if Bruce Dern's about to go to jail for all the crimes he's committed, or if he just got punched and that's that. Yeah. Does it's really? It doesn't so really funny. sound like he's going to jail. It really makes it sound like he's just he's like, just, well, he's just out of money. Now I got to start over. He's already thinking about the next con. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. These guys are. It's like. Did any? What did we learn here? <laughs> it's that like, <laughs> but there's so many people that are in on the take that when you start dividing it up, uh, you can't do a money exchanging scene because it's James Woods then talking to like 180 people, going like 142 apiece, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and all it took was Honey Roy Palmer just getting the life beaten out of him for a 24-hour period. Exactly. Just shortening his day. lifespan by years. Shaving those years off. In one off day. Him. In one day. <laughs> all, all for like, you know, a cool 200 bucks or, so, <laughs> or whatever it is. I still don't know. They do get a car. How Also, way they, back at the beginning, how cool does Bruce Dern handle his son getting immediately swindled out of that Corvette? All it does is like... Kid. Well, I do understand that you now own my son's car, so... <laughs> These people take betting very seriously. Like, it's 
the word of God. Yeah, or nobody tries to like. Get, there's to no. Yeah, there's out. no like. Come on, it's just it's just a kid. Yeah, I didn't know you were serious. He's just a kid. Give come him on. his car back. Yeah, come, on, come on, man. I literally gave it to him 20 minutes ago. Like, it's got to be illegal for an under 18 youth to be gambling in Everybody's got to right? have their own code. I don't know, man. Bruce Dern might have swindled an entire town out of everything they own. But this guy respects a bet. This guy respects a bet. He's eaten up. He just lost this piece of shit town. <laughs> he's he's obviously pissed yeah. at it, you know. As the, he's about as pissed as a guy who like just spent his paycheck. Not a guy just like, well, I've been swinging my dick around town for the last twenty years as the owner, flaunting it. Oh well, nevertheless. Yeah, nevertheless. <laughs> everybody it is just, what it is. They just all respect a con in there. Everybody digs town. It's digs town, baby. A home for cow. <laughs> home for cons. I love it. I'm going to watch this movie again in like 2 years. Forget it, Jake. It's digs town. Yeah. <laughs> Get it, James. <laughs> <laughs> James Woods. Oh, what a flick. I love this movie, man. I I have so many problems with this movie, and I love every second of it. Exactly. There I you go. get so much joy out of this movie. I am really glad it eventually... I still... I wish I could see this in the theater. Apparently, nobody else wished they could see it in the theater. I don't... Yeah, I think I you're going to be the literal the only person who's ever said that. I'm never <laughs> going to get to see it on the big screen. No. But I'm going to watch it a bunch before I die. <laughs> Well, Before I think it's come to I this. <laughs> that is a positive. Like, if you write that on the letterbox <laughs> review, I will see this a bunch more times before I die. You know, that's that's a review. At right a there, certain my point in life, I recognize there are thousands of movies better than Digstown out there. Movies that I have watched and movies that I have loved. I am going to see Digstown so many more times before those movies. Before I die. For every Jim Jarmusch movie that I watch, <laughs> I will have at least watched Digstown twice. There you go. For every Fassbender movie that I might watch, I will watch Digstown five more times. It's just it, it's just how things are going to be. I'm going to hold you to that. I have my... I'll keep, I'll keep my tally. Yeah. The same... Uh, <laughs> Let's, let's put some money on it. What let's do you put say? Some money on this. <laughs> Maybe the rest of this Target gift card that I'm sitting Ooh. here in exchange for your five grand. <laughs> That's an even bet. <laughs> That's an even bet. Watch Digstown. If you've somehow not seen it on TV over the years, it's on HBO Max. It's available elsewhere for cheap. It's great. I love it. Celebrate this movie. Came to this. Dig it. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Good night. <laughs>